From ARUP Laboratories on the campus of the University of Utah, welcome to the LabMind Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Jackson. Today is Monday, the 6th of December, 2021. It is our great privilege to have Dr. Gary Prokop as our guest on LabMind today. Dr. Prokop is the incoming CEO of the American Board of Pathology. Among other things, we'll be discussing his vision for what board certification might look like in the future. Gary Prokop received his bachelor's degree at Eastern Michigan, followed by master's and MD degrees from the Marshall University School of Medicine in West Virginia. For a number of years, he has held an endowed chair in clinical microbiology at the Cleveland Clinic, where he is an infectious disease laboratory director. Dr. Prokop has a long history of engagement with the American Board of Pathology. He served as a trustee from 2008 to 2018. During that time, he chaired several subcommittees, also served a term as president of the board. Finally, Dr. Prokop is active in other organizations as well, including the College of American Pathologists, where he and I have been working together on the Quality Practices Committee. So Dr. Gary Prokop, welcome to LabMind. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. So talk a little bit about what the American Board of Pathology is and the role that it plays. So licensure and certification are two different things. Certification, we like to think of as a representation of a higher standard. The history of certification came from the days when people could just claim to be an expert and there was no external way to prove that. And so the boards eventually evolved through the AMA. For example, our board back in the 1930s was originally formed out of subcommittees from AMA and American Society for Clinical Pathology. With that, the American Board of Pathology was established and individuals will voluntarily sit for a certification examination. And that certification should demonstrate that these individuals have a certain set of knowledge, judgment, and skills within a discipline or subdiscipline as determined by a group of experts. And so holding that certification, we believe, has great value in practice because it does demonstrate a level of achievement. It's often a job requirement too. A lot of hospitals or a lot of practices, certainly universities, have an expectation that you'd be board certified. That is true. So in addition to starting this new CEO role with ABPATH, I understand that you're also working on yet another degree, namely a master's degree in education at Johns Hopkins. It's not as if you don't have enough letters after your name. So what inspired you to go back to school and start working on yet another degree? You know, it was an interesting path. When I started in undergrad, I started with the idea to be a high school biology teacher. Somehow I got off track and became an MD. So maybe I'm finding my way back to my original roots, but I've always been very interested in learning. And the more I learn about learning, the more I get interested in it. For years, of course, I've had the privilege to teach residents and fellows, and it really was the best part of my job. And I still love it anytime I have the opportunity to give a guest lecture or meet the next generation. It's just a great thing. Now, the board is the assessment portion of learning. And, you know, I'm just convinced whether we're talking about primary certification or now continuing certification, assessment, if done correctly, can really help mold and focus learning. So I just wanted to learn more. And Hopkins has a great program in adult medical education, and I'm there and really enjoying it. Let's talk a little bit more about what you just said about the relationship between assessment and education. 
Absolutely. So first of all, I think we need to clarify a couple of terms, summative assessment and formative assessment. Summative, you have to learn a body of knowledge or knowledge, judgment, and skills. And at the end of that, you're going to have an examination and you either made the grade or you didn't. You either passed or you didn't. And that's essentially the primary certification. We have a body of knowledge that needs to be obtained during residency training. And folks will sit down and take their primary certification examination and hopefully pass. That's a summative exam. We're already working with Association for Pathology Chairs, representation from ACGME and some of the major pathology organizations to work on defining curriculum. And they're very interested in defining curriculum from a training standpoint. I'm interested in it because I want to have the content specifications of the examination reflect what the training is. And so these really go hand in hand. You shouldn't have to guess at what's important to be a pathologist. Leadership in the pathology community, and that's all of us, really need to come to a consensus. This is what we want folks that are coming into our field to learn. And that's going to change with time. It's going to change with technology. And so clear content specifications, folks in training shouldn't have to guess. And then they come and they take a fair, psychometrically sound examination and either pass or they don't. Of course, most of them do, and we're excited for them to enter practice. And then after they've entered practice, they are in the continuing certification program. For years, the board and the trustees have worked on optimizing this. So to decrease any burden on our diplomates and actually make it something that's beneficial to their practice. And that is formative assessment. To me, where the rubber meets the road in continuing certification is in the CERT-link quarterly assessments. And you get a number of questions that are in your field. You actually design your own examination. So if you do breast and GI and you might cover the blood bank on some weekends, then you'll pick the proportion of questions you want in those areas. Honestly, I've been participating in this from the beginning. Of course, all of mine are micro and infectious disease pathology. And if the ball doesn't leave the park, there's a problem, right? Because I made my own exam. And so it does leave the park for most folks. And guess what? Every once in a while, you get a question wrong and you get a beautiful critique with it. And with that critique, you get a chance to re-answer that question. It doesn't count, but it helps let us know whether you actually read it or not, read the critique. But then sometimes down the road, you're going to get a clone of that question. And so imagine a person who said that they were a breast pathologist, but they continue to miss soft tissue tumors of the breast and they continue to miss the clone. Well, that is when I need to really pick up the phone and talk to them and say, we're having a little bit of a concern. Now, most of that time, that doesn't happen, right? Because we all want to be the best doctors we can be. When I miss a question, I'm like, what's going on here? And I read the critique, and I really try to learn something. And the next time it comes up, I'm like, I know that answer. And so you can see how formative assessment now is also driving learning. So both summative and formative, if done appropriately and in a very fair way, can really drive learning. Okay. So what you're describing is actually very different from the way a lot of specialty boards have approached continuing certification historically. Maybe we should just step back a little bit so we can sort of appreciate the difference there. What's your sense of when the push for 
continuing certification really started to grow as opposed to just a one-time board certification? So quite an interesting history. Boards evolved and they gave a single point in time examination and then they never saw those diplomates again for the rest of their lives. And then folks started to ask the question, and they're good questions to ask, and there is data around this, that skills can decline with time. And so there needs to be some kind of reassessment. And I think when we think about the responsibility of the boards to protect the public, then that comes into focus a little bit clearer. And so what did boards do? Boards did the only thing they knew how to do, give one big exam. That really went over like a lead balloon because we ended up having people who were great enough to pass the exam the first time. And then they went off and they started to differentiate in their skill set. So if I'm an infectious disease pathologist and a microbiologist, is it fair? And that's a good word. Is it fair to test me on transfusion medicine and advanced breast pathology, et cetera? It's not. But that is the only thing that boards knew how to do. So guess what? The voice of the people was heard. There was an uproar and everybody hated maintenance certification. Our board has gone out of its way to really be extremely fair and good to our diplomates. And so there wasn't that great of an uproar from pathologists. That's a lot of the behind the scenes work to make that happen and to make the process I've described already. My sense was that a lot of the displeasure was coming from primary care and particularly internal medicine. Was that your sense as well? a lot of dissatisfaction in other boards. That is true. So what happened was we're all members of a federation called American Board of Medical Specialties. They and other individual boards started to ask educators how best to assess this. And they basically told us that the worst thing that you could do is ask a single point in time exam because people just binge and purge, right? And so repetition over time and using adult learning principles wherein you can answer the question of, why do I have to learn this? Why do I have to know this? Well, it's because you told me that's your subspecialty, right? So that's a good answer to that question, why? There's not a good answer to that question if I say, this is my subspecialty and you're asking me some question that was only relevant 10 years ago. So there's not a good why answer to that. But we've got good why answers now. So bringing in things like adult learning theory and repetition over time, like we described, it makes it clear how this is actually helping people. A lot of the credit goes to American Board of Anesthesiology, who came up with this idea of what they call a MOCA Minute, Maintenance of Certification Anesthesia. And they were just going to ask questions that were supposed to be walking around knowledge. And every anesthesiologist should know this because if you don't, you might kill somebody. So you have to know it. And they went so far as to say, you know, we're not really worried about the security because we want everybody to know that. So feel free to talk about what your most recent question was, because that's important. Again, this is the idea of formative assessments. And so from that, all the boards have implemented some type of continuing certification along these lines of repetition, more formative than summative. Eventually, I have to make a summative decision and say, over time, yeah, this person got X number of questions correct. But again, it's pretty simple to do when you're making your own examination. So that's been the path of how we got to where we are. It's really a great program. We have data that I know Dr. Johnson will work on publishing, demonstrating satisfaction of our diplomates from the old way compared to the new way. And it's really amazing data. We're here to help make great pathologists and to make great pathologists greater. And, you know, that's what we'd like to do going forward. 
So at the beginning, you talked about certification as being complementary or playing a different role to licensing. It strikes me that when we talk about lifelong learning as a professional, that the licensure side of the house does require CME. It has the term continuing education, but let's face it, it's pretty loose. It's pretty open-ended in terms of what can count for that and how that works. So contrast what you're describing from traditional continuing education. There is a group that have argued over the years that CME should